Welcome to the Direct Response Marketing Magic Podcast. Seth Green is a five-time best-selling author, speaker, and nationally recognized direct response marketing expert who is CEO of one of the fastest-growing direct response marketing firms in the country. To get free access to a download of his new book, Podcast Marketing Magic, and a free live training webinar that will show you how you can use a podcast to attract new customers and referrals like magic, simply register at www.ultimatemarketingmagician.com. On the podcast, Seth brings together some of the most cutting-edge thought leaders in the world to share with you how they grow their businesses and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the Direct Response Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to have Rob Walsh, the VP of Podcaster Relations from Libsyn.com here with us today. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. I am freely biased and will admit that to everyone who is listening as I am a uh, large Libsyn customer and we host all of the podcasts that we produce, including our own at Libsyn.com. Rob, let me ask you this. How did you get started? Started at Libsyn or started podcasting? Uh, let's let's do both. Okay, so I uh, started podcasting goes all the way back to 2004. And um, I had just finished my MBA at UConn, and I was bored and looking for something to do, and this thing called podcasting popped up. And I was like, I was one of those annoying people that used to call into the radio stations every morning with something joke or something like that. And I said, I, I can do my own show. And at the time, I was a big fan of Inside the Actor Studio. So I said, I'm going to do a show where I interview other podcasters. And at the time, there was about 100 of them. And so I figured, oh, right, that'll give me some content for a while. And it unfortunately, it took me about two months to get started because early on, back in October 2004, there was no way to, there was no tutorials, nothing to teach you how to do that. So my podcast also became about helping people to learn how to podcast. And that's where Podcast 411, its origins came out of. Uh, and, and then, then how did you get to this point in your career? I was, you know, back in the day in the early 2005, 2006, uh, even 2007 uh, time frame, Podcast 411 became that, that podcast about podcasting. It was the go-to podcast. It was the one where everyone wanted to get on and be interviewed on. And I had some really great guests, um, Walt Mossberg and uh, Ronald Moore from Battlestar Galactica, Larry Kudlow, um, Senator John Edwards, Quincy Jones, um, some big names um, that were doing a podcast, plus a lot of other people that became big names, Leo Laporte, well, Leo was a big name already, but I mean other people like um, C.C. Chapman and others that were just starting out and podcasting became big names from it. And Throughout the show, I was always promoting Libsyn because that's where I went to for my hosting. And I said, Libsyn, 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 Libsyn. And I guess I said at one time too many because they came to me and said, would you like a job? And, and he said, you, you do a good job promoting us. And I said, you know what? Yes, I would. So um, that's how I got my job. Pretty much how Dave Jackson just got his job at Libsyn because he was out there saying Libsyn, Libsyn, Libsyn. And, and we just actually hired Dave. 
So today is actually the 29th of February is Dave Jackson's first official day uh, at Libsyn. Okay, so there's a lesson for you, marketing magicians. You want a job at Libsyn, mention them on your show all the time, and there's <laughs> a potential way in the door right there. <coughs> Excuse me. What do you wish you knew when you started that you know now? Um, how to manage email lists, uh, maybe, because that was something I definitely didn't know and made me a little bit better CSS and uh, website design um, and not using WordPress because, boy, I just had everything go to hell in a handbasket with, um, with, with WordPress early on and getting, spam, get, getting the uh, spammers and uh, hackers on board. So I, I just think maybe a little bit better on the, on the uh, website design of things and, and, and a little bit better on, on email lists blast out but early on there was just no podcast there was nothing there was there was no knowledge base so i just had to learn it there wasn't like i could have learned from somebody on the, on the podcasting side because it just was not any tutorials out there at that time that makes sense what are some of the biggest mistakes you see uh people making when trying to start a podcast oh the biggest mistake by far is that they obsess about the wrong thing like getting featured in new and noteworthy if you say the word new and noteworthy, it means you don't understand podcasting. If you think that that is somehow um, important for your podcast when you start out, it is no importance. It's no bearing. Um, and, but you know, that is the hugest mistake because people are concentrating on the wrong thing, which is promotion, 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 when they really should be concentrating on the right thing, which is content, content, content. If you create good content, take your time, edit research, make value to your end user, your show will grow. None of the big shows used or cared about what new and noteworthy or even know what new and noteworthy is. Um, and none of them, in fact, when I talk to the biggest shows, none of them did anything to really promote their shows. They, they just created good content on a consistent basis or consistently good content, I should say. And that is what helped shows grow. And that, you know, what I would say to people is when you start out, just worry about creating a show that the best show you can and one that you would want to listen to yourself. If you don't want to listen to your own show and you don't listen to your own show, why would you think anyone else would want to listen to it? If you don't want to listen to your own show, why would anyone else? Great advice. Um, what are some of the, on the, on the flip side, other, what are some of the commonalities you see on some of the best performing shows across the Libsyn network? Yeah, I mean, the best performing shows, again, it comes back to content. They're all creating good content. They're interacting with their audience. They're making it easy for their audience to to engage with them and then to promote their show. I mean, word of mouth marketing, without a doubt, is number one way shows grow. And you have to encourage your audience to use their mouth to tell their friends. You have to give them the right tools. You have to encourage them to be on the show, to want to promote it. So, I mean, I, you know, I, what I see shows that, that do it well are ones that interact with their audience, bring their audience uh, in, have, you know, have questions asked or answered uh, on the show, um, and, and work with their audience, make them part of the show, uh, especially if you don't have a prior celebrity. I mean, that's the way I see the shows that have grown grow. Uh, what about there seems to be an obsession almost in certain in some of the podcasting forums and Facebook groups about what audio equipment to use and what editing to do and all of that type of technical stuff. 
how big a factor do you think that plays in terms of whether a show is successful or not? You don't want to be recording in a really noisy environment with a Yeti mic. But a Yeti mic, which is $95 from Blue, in a quiet environment will give you better audio quality than a $1,500 mic. Um, so you can get a really good audio sound in a quiet environment without spending a lot of money. I think it's more important to get a quiet environment. If you can't have a quiet environment, then you have to look at the type of mic you're using. But in any case, if you're spending more than $150 for your mic, you are a fool and wasting your money. Spend the extra money on getting good tools for promotion. Get a smartphone app for your show. Um, go out and spend it on IMDB Pro to go and find the right PR contacts to get good people to interview on your show. But, yeah, I, I see people talking about all this crazy stuff and equipment and gear. You don't have to spend any of that. And you, again, if you spend over $150 on a mic, you've wasted your money. Um, and I know a lot of people don't want to hear that because they're out there promoting with affiliate links, mics that cost $500, so they obviously want to promote the, the $500 mic and, and, and setups. But I've seen some people spend crazy amounts of money on, on the microphone, and it's not about that. It, it's about the content. Um, no one will ever say to you, I stuck with your show because the audio quality was so good. I just knew eventually the content would come around. Excellent point. What do you like best about your business? Without a doubt, it's the fact that everybody gets to have a voice on a democratized basis. Everyone is on equal and level footing. They're all able to get into iTunes. They're all able to get into now Google Play Music when that launches and Stitcher. Anybody can talk about whatever they want. There is nobody restricting you from talking about your topic. If your topic is about hummingbirds and taking pictures of hummingbirds, you can have a podcast dedicated to that. You can have a podcast dedicated to ADHD, and there are those, and, or dyslexia and things like that, things that would never have a large enough audience to get on mainstream media, you can do as a podcast and be right up there, right next to the guys from mainstream media. And in often cases, I've seen shows from independent podcasters like Dan Carlin kick the crap out of mainstream media podcasts. So that's what I love about podcasting, is that it democratizes media and allows anybody to get their voice or video, because you can do video as well, um, heard or seen. What do you attribute Libsyn and your success to? Because obviously there are other providers in the marketplace. I think, you know, when you look at Lipson and why Lipson's been successful and why I promoted Lipson early on, um, there's a few factors. One is was the statistics, having good statistics. Two was, you know, having unlimited bandwidth or, you know, for the downloads, no matter how popular your show got, wasn't gonna, we weren't going to shut you down. And we've got really popular shows. I think another part of it is is the expansion of the media that, that no matter what you upload remains active in your account forever. You never have to take it down. And then I think just making it easy for anybody to podcast. And I think, you know, sticking with the whole idea of what liberated syndication is and what I was excited about podcasting is that we make it easy for anyone. If you don't even have a website, you don't have to have a website. You can just come and upload your media files to Libsyn and get a podcast out there. You know, so many people try to make this so difficult. Oh, you need to have a WordPress site or this or that. And, you, and you, you know, a lot of people don't know the difference between RSS and CSS. 
nor should they have to. All they need to know is if they can create an audio file, we have a place where they can upload it, get an RSS feed that they can submit to iTunes, and that's all they need to know. So I think why Libsyn's been successful is that we've given the broadcasters easy tools to use to get out everywhere. And then, you know, the smartphone apps have really helped as well. As, as we saw early on, podcasting was moving towards mobile, um, I think, before anybody saw that. And, and we really concentrated on getting smartphone apps out there for shows. And you know, I always say to a podcaster, if you don't have a smartphone app for your show, it's like having a business not having a website for themselves. You need to have a smartphone app as a podcaster in this day and age. With all the success you've achieved, um, what is your biggest challenge now? You know, uh, for Libsyn, I, I, I think the biggest challenge is just reminding people that podcasting isn't just serial and NPR and public radio that those podcasts out there, you know, letting the media know this, not so much the individuals, because I think the individual podcasters know this, but letting the media know that, look, NPR and public radio and all those guys, they're less than 1% of the podcasts out there and declining. The independent podcasters make up a much larger percent of the podcasts that are out there. And, and I think letting the media, that's a challenge, has just been letting the media know that, look, it is more than Serial and Gimlet and NPR. It's the indie podcasters. It's the Trek FM networks. It's the Grammar Girl, you know, QD Now networks, and the Dan Carlins and the uh, uh, Revolution with Mike Duncan. And it's just individual podcasters that really make up the, the vast, vast, vast majority of the content that's available out there for people to consume. And, and that's, that's, I think the the challenge I've been having the last year, at least at Libsyn, is making sure the media understands that. How, um, with everything that is constantly changing in the world of marketing, the world of podcasting, how do you stay on top of it all? How do you stay on the cutting edge? You know, we have built a back end. I think you know, the secret to Libsyn is we built a back end that's so reliable that we don't have to worry about our back end and growth. We took care of that multiple years ago where other people have seen any growth, they have issues. We're beyond that. When the president came on Mark Maron's podcast earlier this year, Maron's people you know, contacted me the week before and said, Hey, do you guys have to do anything special? We said, Nope, nothing, nothing that we need to do because we built a back end that's so solid that has allowed us to change our focus from building a reliable back end, which is now in place to adding in more features to make it easier for podcasters to distribute to more places. We've added destinations. We have a Google Play Music destination. We've got a Spotify destination. We've got a tuning destination. We've got um, SoundCloud destination. We've got the smartphone apps. So it's allowed us to enhance and improve the other tools because the big pain point, which is keeping everything up and running, that's taken care of, you know, knock on wood. You know, 100% uptime last year, 100% the year before. So that's all behind us. So now we're able to expand and add the tools that we hear from podcasters that they want and that we see that podcasters will need. And, and, and a lot of that does have to do with extra distribution. I, I still believe that when you talk to podcasters, the number one concern on them is not monetization, although we work really hard to help on tools there, but 
helping. I mean, it's fame or fortune. I guess the joke is fame or fortune. And when you talk to 100 podcasters, I think 99 of them would tell you they want to improve on the fame side rather than the fortune side. They want to grow their audience. And, and that's what we're working on is giving you tools to help you grow your audience. That makes sense. I know that you are a voracious learner. What are three of the best books you've ever read that have had the most impact on your work? On my work? Um, you know, uh, I would have to say without a doubt, the one that was the best one um, was from, uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying to blank on his name right now. It was O'Reilly book and it was GarageBand, The Missing Manual by David Pogue. I think that one was the most important one because when I tried to get into podcasting back in 2004, I, I needed to figure out how to create the audio files right. And that GarageBand Missing Manual book really helped. Um, another good book, The Art of SEO, um, I'm, I'm, right now is really helping me out because I'm reading that one. And uh, Eric Engi and Stefan Spencer and Jessica Strakoa uh, created that book. And, and that's a really good book. So, I mean, right now I'd say those two books really helped out. But The Art of, the Art of SEO, because I'm trying to really learn more of the SEO side of things outside of the podcasting world. Um, so I would say those two, but the garage band missing manuals early on and now the, the art of SEO. Great recommendations. Um, fascinating interview. I've got tons of notes. I'm sure our listeners do too. Anything you want to share with them that I didn't think to ask you? If you have any questions about podcasting, email me, rob at libson.com, R-O-B at libson.com. Always available to answer anybody's questions about why you should podcast you know, I, I would say that's a big question people don't ask is why you should podcast. And I think people misunderstand the number of podcasters out there. It's a really small number to this day. There's 2,000 to 1 ratio of bloggers to podcasters. If you're blogging and you're not podcasting, shame on you because you're missing out on an opportunity to, to step away from your peers and really uh, show that you're something different. But again, rob at libson.com and answer your questions on how to get started. It doesn't take much, and it's pretty easy. Okay. Thank you so much, Rob. Fascinating interview. This has been Seth Green here with Rob Walsh of Lipson.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.